Davis is in the studio with Michael Card. Welcome to this week's edition of the program, coming to you from Franklin, Tennessee. I'm Wayne Shepard sitting here with Michael at the moment, and a little bit later we have some other folks coming into the studio. Yeah, but for now it's nice just for us to be here to talk. <laughs> it's always nice to be with yeah, you. Yeah, right. same here. Kevin Twitt is coming by. I always enjoy talking to Kevin. He's kind of a relatively new friend to me. He's been a friend of yours for a he while. Is. I've known him for probably 20 years. So, really? Uh, but wonderfully gifted uh, a pastor now uh, with RUF. We're going to uh, open a hymn book here with Kevin in a few minutes, so that'll be very special. And then the second half of the program, need I say more, Sarah Groves is going to be here. Right. So My hero. Yeah, we love yes. Sarah and her music and her writing ability, so we'll get to talk with her in the second half of today's In the Studio broadcast. But we have something we'd like to do here. Yeah, we want to explore uh, the, the, the biblical idea of the place of children, uh, how the Bible presents them as... Uh, uh, people that we can learn from, and how in, in, in some ways it's preferable to be more childlike than perhaps what we think of as uh, being adult sometimes. That sounds very interesting to me, yeah. Michael. And to introduce that theme, uh, you've chosen a song to sing for us that fits mm-hmm. right in. That's right. Come to the Cradle is a song that talks about uh, the, our place beside uh, the crib is a place where we learn an awful lot about God as we look at the simplicity and the the, the childlikeness of of an infant. Did you write this song a long time ago? You know, I don't remember. You don't even it, remember. <laughs> it's a fairly old song, I, I, but uh, I, it must have been in, in connection with one of my four children, but uh, <laughs> too much water under the bridge since <laughs> okay. then. Well, let's get started with this discussion here. First of all, the song from Michael here in the studio, Come to the Cradle. Come to the cradle, come and find peace. 
Then Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves so wise and clever and for revealing it to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. (laughs) One of the uh, moments where you see Jesus really overjoyed that that this is the way God does things. He he, he, uh, reveals his wisdom to the foolish, Mm so-called foolish, infant, but the wise adults, they're the ones who inevitably get it wrong. So this quality of being childlike, it's a, it's a kingdom quality, isn't it? It is. In fact, Jesus makes it a prerequisite. Unless you become like a child, he says, uh, you will never enter the kingdom. And that's uh, Matthew 18. It's right here. Hmm. Uh, about, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, which of us is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, which is a very adult concern, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, Jesus called a small child over to him, and this is in Peter's house, so a lot of us think this might have been Peter's daughter, Hmm. Petronella. Jesus called a small child over to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I assure you, unless you turn from your sins and become as little children, you will never get into the kingdom. Therefore, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So Jesus, this radical identification even that Jesus has with children, uh, you know, in, in a sense he's saying, I hmm. and this little child that you will welcome. Hmm. We're going to talk about this today and in the weeks to come, Michael, but we have these specific instances in the Gospels of how Jesus related to children. But I'm wondering, based on those, what what you have uh, imagined his relationship, you know, to be in terms of how he treated them and well, I think you you can fairly uh, clearly say that his his relationship was unusual. It was unexpected. Uh, children, we we have a romantic uh, vision now of children that we that we got basically from uh, uh, the Victorian era. Before that era, children were really much you know better. What seen and not heard or right. something was was the yeah. statement. It was in uh, during the reign of Victoria that children became this treasured possession, and all of a sudden, for instance, that's when Christmas became a big deal. And mm. children, well, still in some know, parts of the world, children are treated as possessions, a, a, uh, more absolutely, or less, yeah. and as uh, almost on the on the level of uh, of being pets or mm. being animals or that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And mm-hmm. certainly in ancient times, uh, they exposed children. That is. They let them die. Uh, they left babies out, and they they do that in 
in China to this day, they have window babies. Mm. So uh, children really mean, to some cultures, mean almost nothing. Mm. So the way Jesus dealt with children was uh, very unique well, and was, special. Yeah, was certainly unusual. And uh, his, you see that his disciples think that really Jesus doesn't need to waste his time with children. He has more important things to do. And we'll see in that passage in a minute how Jesus uh, turns that tradition upside down and says, no, you know, bring children to me because that's the kingdom is, is composed of children. And I think by that he doesn't mean that we, we act childish. You know, we become, uh, I don't know, ignorant or... or uh, uh, a silly in the way we simple. act, uh-huh. Sim- yeah, simple-minded. But what is it not. saying? Well, it, it, I mean, he just said it in that last passage. It, it, it entails humility. Uh, I think one of the wonderful things of children is that they are willing to accept a free gift without feeling they need to earn it. And in fact, that's one of the dividing lines. There's two really interesting dividing lines I think that separate a small child from a big child. One of them is is this uh, unashamed. Uh, willingness to receive a gift. Little children, they don't feel like they have to earn it. You know, it's just like you, you know, you, you got a toy for me. You know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there. We teach them to say thank you. Abs- yeah. yeah, but, but still, still to receive anything that they can receive as mm-hmm. a free gift, and they're mm-hmm. happy to do that. At some point in your ch- your development, children start becoming more reluctant and feeling that, that, like they have to deserve it or have to they have to pay you or have, they have to do something for it. The other dividing line, a friend of mine who's a pastor uh, demonstrated with his two children. He had one little, I think, three-year-old. He he stood her up on top of, the, of a chest of drawers and said, okay, now jump to me. And he stood back. <sighs> And this kid just, you know, yeah. without any regard, <laughs> yeah. just jumped right into his arms. Then he took trusted his, him. He took his five or six year old and put him up there and st- stood the same distance and says, "Okay, now jump to me." And the kid goes, "No way!" Wow. So this sort of simple tr- ability to trust in in the father mm-hmm. is the real dividing line. I think that's what Jesus wants. He wants absolute trust, and he wants the humility to receive a free gift, which is our salvation, the grace that we get only from Jesus. That, I think, is what he means when he talks about becoming a child again. And the disciples don't display those, do they? You know, what do we do to mm-hmm. enter the kingdom? What mm-hmm. do we do? I mean, who is the most Who's important? going to be first? Yeah. yeah, which is a very adult, unfortunately, a very adult thing. Michael, I know you have another passage of Scripture you'd like to turn us to here in just a moment, but I'm just wondering, um, from your reading of the Scriptures here, what indication do we get about how we should relate to the Father, the Heavenly Father, Mm -hmm. based on how our children relate to us? Mm. I think that's one of the big discoveries of our generations. We realize that our image of God really is molded by the image of our Mm -hmm. earthly fathers. And and, uh, some of us who who, uh, found our fathers distant, uh, tend to see God as this mm-hmm. distant person. It's a well-known fact. Yeah, it? people who uh, perhaps had a, a, abusive fathers then uh, are unable or, or find it very difficult to relate to God as a loving father. How mm-hmm. could he possibly be loving when my father perhaps wasn't? But um, I, I think that's part of the design that God had in, intended for the family. I mean, uh, fathers are presence in the home. They do or they or they don't do something that's so basic in uh, determining what our identity is. Hmm. Uh, you know, the, the acceptance that you have that's based on your father's uh, acceptance of you as a child, uh, of your qualities, of, of what you're good at. And, um, you know, even down to my, my oldest son now is taller than I am. Mm-hmm. And I can I can sense uh, uh, in his soul what it does for him when I sort of celebrate the fact now that he's taller than me. Oh, <laughs> you know, he loves that. And I <laughs> think that's going to help him <laughs> as he gets older. You know, uh, our mutual friend Joe Stoll tells mm-hmm. a story that when his uh, oldest son was young, 
they had a need that uh, Joe said to his son, well, let's pray about that. And his son said, oh, Dad, you know, God's too busy drinking Pepsi. Wow. Well, that that was the picture he had of God, the Father wow. in heaven, was Busted. his dad, you know, being too busy for him at the moment, yeah. drinking a Pepsi. Yeah. And I think the ministry of someone like a Brennan Manning who talks about healing our image of God, I think he's come a long way in helping people who, who do find it difficult to relate to God because of certain uh, problems they've had in the past. But none of that is anything that God can't overcome hmm. and has certainly revealed himself in Scripture as this wonderfully caring Father. Sure. Uh, and, and again, these passages that we've looked at from the life of Jesus, Jesus is this person who has... Uh, just the utmost tenderness and openness in dealing with children and at, at a time when his disciples thought, well, this is an eruption. He has more important things to do. He never sees children as, as an interruption, is always welcoming them. and Let the children come. Yeah, and, and, and Mark gives us the detail, too, that Jesus actually put his hands on children, he would put his hands on them and bless them, but they would they would crawl up in his lap and and he he uh, he celebrated. Now, again, as you were saying earlier, we see that in our culture today, but this was pretty pretty different in that day, it, wasn't it? It was unusual. I mean, we we know for certain uh, that there was a tradition of rabbinic blessing, and and that's what we see when when the parents do bring their children to Jesus uh, for him to bless them. That is to to lay his hand on them and and pronounce a baroka. But I think that was a fairly formal, uh, ritual sort of a, an experience. I think that's why Mark gives the detail that he actually, he, he doesn't just, you know, sort of in personal way put his hands on their head and, and pronounce some sort of formula. Hmm. He actually takes these children into his arms and, hmm. and places his hands on them. It's a wonderful and, picture, uh, wonderful image. Yeah, it is. It's one of my favorite images hmm. uh, of, of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. Hmm. Well, there's one passage, and uh, uh, it comes up in Matthew 19, that, that uh, uh, is the passage we've been re- referring to, Matthew 19, verse 13 and following. It says, Some children were brought to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. And again, this is a blessing. Give them his blessing. The disciples told them not to bother him. But Jesus said, Let the children come. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these and he put his hands on their heads and he blessed them before he left and he's saying there what the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these i think that's it refers back to that passage in 18 this the kingdom of heaven refers to people who are willing uh to accept the their salvation as a free gift and who are willing to uh to trust above all else Mm -hmm. God their Father. I mean, that's what characterizes a child, a simple trusting faith in this relationship to a father, uh, a, a, a humility, not striving for position. Position means nothing to a very small child. I'm so glad that we had yeah. a chance to talk about these things. We're talking about this passage, Let the Children Come. You have written a song based on this passage. This is an older song, but I think it still it still rings true. Uh, this song was written for uh, a children's album, an album of uh, songs trying to encourage children in their childlikeness to, 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 uh, to enjoy it while, while they were there. Let's listen to this together. Michael Card here in the studio, Let the Children Come. Jesus looks so weary from the worries of the day But the look on his face lighted when the children came his way Before he could reach out to them, 
and join them in their play. His grown-up band of followers told the kids to go away. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Please let the children come. Of childhood lasts a lifetime if you try. The simple trusting faith they own keeps scholars mystified, and so the Lord adopts us as His daughters and His sons. For the kingdom is for children. Please let the children come. The children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Please let the children come. so glad that you would sing that song today following this discussion, Michael, of what our children can teach us. Mm -hmm. uh, we've invited Kevin Twitt back to the studio. Kevin's been with us before here on the broadcast, uh, but in this context, we thought we'd have him back today. Yeah, because no one more than Jesus recognized the value of children mm -hmm. and the place that they had. In fact, he would go so far as to stand a little child in front of the crowd and say, unless you become like him, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. all bets are off. You can't mm -hmm. be a part of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so what we wanted to talk to Kevin about was this idea of learning from our children, mm -hmm. listening to their lives and being drawn in, especially by their music, yeah. which is so much of the ministry that you have at RUF. Right. It's been a big part. Yeah. Music is such a big part for students. Um, it, yeah. One of the things that, we've, that I've noticed that's really just fascinating is students that are wanting to go back to older hymn texts that resonate with them um, in, in a way that really kind of makes me kind of think if I miss something. Mm -hmm. uh, with if the you Christian feel that way, imagine how I feel yeah, yeah. <laughs> growing up in the 60s and yeah. 70s. Yeah, it's know? a great privilege to walk alongside young people uh, mm -hmm. like that because it makes you go back and read the Bible again and see if you miss something mm -hmm. because they, they don't come with so much of the presuppositions that we have. They have mm -hmm. different presuppositions. And so we all have to go, you know, as student followers of Jesus and, and say, what is the text really saying? Mm -hmm. Oh, it does say this. Um, and, w and one of the examples, mm. I guess, would be uh, the way they resonate with hymns that express um, doubts, hymns that express um, weariness and sorrow. Um, I, for a long time, I think we felt that to be acceptable to young people, we need to have nice, happy, bubbly music, mm -hmm. uh, sort of the cokes and jokes kind mm -hmm. of view of, of youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding students that are really tired of that. And know that Jesus wants to connect with them at a deeper level than just entertain them. Hmm. Uh, and I'll read you one of the one of the the hymn lyrics that's been so profound by a lady named Ann Steele, who you know was a lady who uh, 
um, lived in the 1700s in England on the day before she was going to be married, when she was 18. Her fiancé went out bathing in a river, went out too far, and was drowned. Mm. Um, and, and she, you know, had malaria, you know, she was an invalid. So many of these hymn writers, you read their stories and you go, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And they, they still sang. They still sang <laughs> yeah. in the midst of that. And she doesn't just sing, hey, everything's happy because I love Jesus. She sings this hymn, Dear Refuge of My Weary Soul. Dear Refuge of My Weary Soul, on thee when sorrows rise, on thee when waves of trouble roll, my fainting hope relies. To thee I tell each rising grief, for thou alone canst heal. Thy word can bring a sweet relief for every pain I feel. But oh, when gloomy doubts prevail, I fear to call thee mine. The springs of comfort seem to fail, and all my hopes decline. Yet, gracious God, where shall I flee? Thou art my only trust. And still my soul would cleave to thee, though prostrate in the dust. Thou didst bid me seek thy face, and shall I seek in vain? And can the ear of sovereign grace be deaf when I complain? Mm. No, still the ear of sovereign grace attends the mourner's prayer. Oh, may I ever find access to breathe my sorrows there. In this last verse, mm. thy mercy seat is open still. Here let my soul retreat with humble hope attend thy will and wait beneath thy feet. Uh, what I love is the way she takes you through the process. Mm-hmm. And, and she's willing to say, you know, I have a fainting hope. Who, who's, who, who feels uh, willing or able to say that? Um, the, I think our young people, they crave authenticity. It mm-hmm. is the buzzword. It become, it's in some ways the idol, but I think they're on to something. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what I guess my ministry is about helping them see how only Jesus and the gospel can make them authentic. Mm. And uh, having people like Ann Steele sort of lead the way it can be really powerful. I think all of us experience those kinds of things in college. I know loneliness mm-hmm. was a big thing mm-hmm. for me, but mm-hmm. but it, we had no songs. We had mm-hmm. we had no way to articulate that. And mm-hmm. I think it's exciting that now they're looking for and finding ways to articulate mm-hmm. the laments that that mm-hmm. they're that they're having. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that in this case? Uh, College age young people. We're talking yeah. about children yeah. here, but college right. age young people yeah. are the ones who are reintroducing us to this right. this great literature of these right. hymns. That's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we just need to humble ourselves. I, I feel you know when I was on the staff of the church, I would feel like the crazy radical guy at the at the session meetings with all the elders and the mm-hmm. pastors, and then I would go and meet with my college students. I'd feel like the absolute You're conservative the saying, conservative. "Hold on, yeah, hold right. on. Uh-huh. No, we couldn't possibly do that." <laughs> but most of the time, I, if I really listened to what they're saying, they really had some good ideas. They really understand intuitively some of the things that that we've probably gotten used to missing. And you know what, what I feel like behind, deeper behind all this is, mm-hmm. is is a, a fundamental trust of God. Because mm-hmm. it, when you feel free to lament, when you feel free mm-hmm. to bring those things to him, it really is an indication of what your image of God is. Yeah, right. I mean, is your image of God this sort of mean, mean-spirited mean person, a theological entity who sits on a throne right. that I dare not complain right. to? Right. Yeah, that's right. Or is he the one who comes off the throne and embraces yes. me when I say, yes. you know, this is hard? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm In seminary, I did a little um, counseling in a hospital, um, going around visiting patients, and it was so sad. Um, it wasn't just, it was all the time you would meet with people uh, older people, you know, in their last stages of life who were so lonely mm-hmm. and, and weren't able to, to connect that to God. They felt so guilty about it. And I would take them sometimes to Psalm 13. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd read that together and say, doesn't David seem angry? Mm-hmm. Do you know that, that the Lord, you can express that to the Lord in God-ordained words. Yeah, um, yeah. And, 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 and he will come and, and, and meet with you in the midst of even that place. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, we've got a lot to learn from our young people, and they're, they've helped me. 
Mm. Well, Kevin, I would like to hear, Michael, how about you? Another one of these one uh, hymns, yeah. um, unknown even to us, the older ones listening here, mm-hmm. perhaps. But uh, yeah. but, Speak for yourself. Yeah, Good. But known for the young people. Good. I'd love to share one with you. Oh, love incomprehensible. Um, this is kind of a version uh, put together from some verses from Augustus Toplady, who wrote Rock of Ages, as well as from Anne mm. Steele. And uh, what I love about this one, I think what we can learn from our young people resonating with this one, is the idea of mystery and being um, comfortable with that idea. Uh, the chorus goes this way, O love incomprehensible that made thee bleed for me, the judge of all has suffered death to set his prisoner free. And then the verses we kind of just go through and sort of stage by stage, just looking at Jesus. Uh, what pain, what soul-oppressing pain the great Redeemer bore, while bloody sweat like drops of rain distilled from every pore, arraigned at Pilate's shameful bar, hmm. unparalleled disgrace, see spotless innocence appear in guilt's detested place. The spotless Savior lived for me and died upon the mount. The obedience of his life and death is placed to my account. "'Tis finished now,' aloud he cries, "'no more the law requires, "'and now, amazing sacrifice, "'the Lord of life expires. Mm. "'On thee alone my hope relies, "'beneath thy cross I fall, "'my Lord, my life, my sacrifice, "'my Savior and my all.'" Oh, that's beautiful. Some powerful stuff. And I love that, you know, I know mystery is certainly one of the things that you have tried to be a champion for, and these hymn writers, so many of them just grab hold of that and just want to let us sit in that mystery for three or four minutes and let it just sink into our soul. Yeah, which is where children are readier to go than That's adults right. who need yeah. to have it all theologized right. and in an outline. And Yep. Uh, well, oh, Kevin, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. And, and we hope to have you back sure. very soon. Yeah, it'd be great. And you are listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. Information about Kevin's work in ministry has been posted on our website, www.michaelcard.com. Well, we're coming up on the halfway point of the broadcast, and it's our prayer that God is using this time together each week to deepen your understanding of His Word. Now, if that's happening in your life, we'd appreciate hearing all about it. Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Here's a note we received from Betty. She writes, I don't know if this will make it to you or not. Anyway, I love your show on WAFT-FM radio. Well, Betty, your note did make it, and you have no idea how your note encouraged Michael and all of us here on the staff. It doesn't matter how long or short the message may be. Another way you can interact with us is through your questions about the Bible or living the Christian life. We'll try to answer as many as we can on future broadcasts. Again, the address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. Now, you can learn more about this program and Michael's music ministry on the web. Our online address is michaelcard.com. There are many features we've developed that go hand-in-hand with this radio outreach. We hope you'll grow along with us through resources like The Community Magazine and Michael's monthly e-journal called From the Study. Learn more about these and how you can stay connected with other friends of Michael's ministry in a section called The Community. CD copies of this or any in the studio session are available. And another convenient way to hear the program, no matter what your schedule, is through our broadcast subscription. The details on how you can have each week's CD sent to you automatically are found in the radio archive section at michaelcard.com. Well, in the second half, there's more great music and a challenging discussion with singer-songwriter Sarah Groves. You won't want to miss what's coming up after these messages here on the Moody Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. We are in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Michael, I was just thinking back to one of our very first programs that we did together. We said uh, how nice it would be to have Sarah Groves come here That's sometime. right. Remember that? Yeah, I do. And I remember, too, that you guys at Moody responded and had her come and sing there in the, in the courtyard. Yes. I listened to that on the radio. Yeah, that you was called a great us night. that night, as a matter of fact. That's right. Fact. That was a great night. Well, Sarah Groves, it's taken far too long, but welcome. Thank you, Wayne. It's great to have you here in the studio. You two have toured together. You know each yeah. other very well. Good friends. She's one of my heroes. Absolutely. <laughs> now, how is it you introduced Sarah in concert, Michael? Uh, the best hope for the uh, future of Christian music. She always rolls her eyes. I just want to see her blush yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty weighty burden. Yeah. Well, you got it. Okay. You got the ball now. You mess okay. up. Okay. <laughs> well, Sarah, I you're will. you're in the middle of recording your latest CD right now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm working on a new album, and um, we've been down here in Nashville. That's why I'm here today, um, and it's just been a lot of fun. Hmm. Michael. What is it about Sarah and her music that just touches souls? That's, I'm going to start gushing, and it's going to be real embarrassing for all of us. No, go um, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, John Talbot a long time ago uh, in talking about the direction, the the misdirection of Christian music, talked about um, there's no holiness in the music anymore, and there's there's an element in Sarah's music. I mean, in in basically it's it's beautiful music great great melodies great lyrics okay yeah <laughs> so what a lot of people are doing that sort of thing mm -hmm. but there there's a holiness and a connectedness to uh god in her music that uh i hadn't heard in in a long time so i you know I don't, beyond that uh, you know i don't know what to say but i i and you listen to sarah's uh records and you listen to every single song you don't just sort of bop around and say oh yeah that this is my favorite one you don't have a favorite one at least i don't so i'll stop so where does that come from sarah i mean we know ultimately but um well if i'm all that i don't know but i uh i i you know my music has been a part of my life from from as as early as i can remember how old were you when you wrote your first song my mom says I was probably four years old. Wow. We, we don't remember. I don't remember exactly. I do kind of remember one of my first songs was about a dog who wouldn't come when his owner called him, and so the owner poured food in the bowl, and then the dog came running. So a, par <laughs> See? a parable. Holiness. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> but I think it's it's always come from a very um, uh, it comes from the place that I struggle. If I don't write, I. I have problems. <laughs> you you can't help but not do it. I have to write. And that was a real good revelation for me mm -hmm. when I was a high school teacher because I kind of thought, um, what now, Lord? Is this just, do I put this aside? Do I quit music completely? And I just felt like the Lord resound, that was a resounding no. Mm -hmm. You will be writing music till the day you die. You'll be writing songs about arthritis and gout. You know, <laughs> and, and, um, It is who you are. You are. And, and that was so cool to yeah. have my maker say, hmm. That's that's who you are, and and uh, I had no idea at that time that it would be my career. But um, some people never reach that point, do they? No, it, you know I think it, I had to get to a point first where I said it doesn't have to be my career. This is who mm -hmm, I am, no mm -hmm, matter what. Right. If people are listening or not, I have to do this. And mm -hmm. that was that's I think a place you have to come to first, and then I feel like all these things were added to me. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I had to get where I was seeking. Um, kind of seeking his thing first and mm. then those things were added oh, well said 
Michael, I can't help but notice whenever you and I have been in the studio, there's never been a photographer before. But as soon as Sarah walks in, I know know. the beauty that she brings in (laughs) here. This place, they they were down at the end of the driveway at five o'clock this morning. You know, it's it's a little irritating, but that's okay. Well, we can't talk. We can't have Sarah here without asking her to sing a song, can we? Not at all. Not at all. Will you do that? I would love to. Okay, we have the piano right here in the Mm -hmm. studio. Michael's piano. Mm -hmm. Is it okay? Is it okay, piano? Uh, it is a very nice piano. All right. Yeah. So you don't what, mind playing this one? What can no. she say? No. <laughs> Sarah, we're going to ask you to sing the word. Many people will recognize this immediately. So here is Sarah Groves in the studio. Mm-hmm. I've done every devotional, been in every place emotional, to hear a word from God, and I think it's very odd. Though I attempt to myself my bible sits upon the shelf with every promise i could ever need and the word was and the word is and the word will be and the word was and the word is and the word will be people are getting fit for truth like they're buying the shoulders will it fade when it gets older we throw ideas that aren't in style and the salvation army pile and search for something more to meet our needs but the word
Sarah, that was the first song of yours I ever heard, uh, hmm. and it's still new every time I hear it. Hmm. And it, we we sing it together in concert sometimes. I think yeah. it's one of my favorite songs to to play with you. So thank you. It's fine. Thank you. Is there a story behind it? Um, yeah, I was doing a devotional with a girlfriend of mine, and uh, um, he the author was saying. A lot of people are looking for a new word from God, but the old word is the new word. That was his his ah. phrase. And so I drove home that day just thinking about how many times I'm looking for something new from God. And he's been saying the same thing from the foundations of the earth. He's been saying the same thing. He's just trying to, he just mm. repeats himself all throughout history. It's mm. the same word. Mm. And then, of course, the power of the idea that Christ himself was called the word, mm. you know. And uh, just so all those ideas, I sat down to write a song, and I was going to kind of have this outro. It was one of these moments as a, as an artist, you know, when you, um, and I get this from Mike. Um, Mike says, you are not your gift. Right. And this is one of the moments where I can appreciate this, this idea, because mm-hmm. there are times when I'm writing, and I'm just on the floor saying, thank you, Lord, thank you for letting me be a part of that mm-hmm, song. Mm-hmm. And, and not all songs are like that. I, I have a, a professor back at home. Who used to say, if you said, God gave me this song, he'd say, you know, don't blame God for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to blame all my songs on God. But this one definitely was one of those creative moments where I, I felt like a co-creator, mm-hmm. you know. And I, mm-hmm. I wrote down all my favorite promises because the song is about promises and all the promises that God's given us. And I thought I'm going to kind of piece together this um maybe a spoken part or something at the end, but I, I never imagined it fitting. And as I played the song, it began to work in the very middle of the song as the bridge to work and to fit, you know, mm-hmm. and to say all these promises. And I just, I kind of envisioned myself at the front of the stage looking at, and I've, I have had the opportunity to do this now countless times, but to look out at an audience and say, you are no longer slaves. You are daughters. You are sons. And I love that moment because that's not my opinion. That's what God says about you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's where the song was. That's what it was born out of. Mm-hmm. We talked about the fact that uh, from an early age, you were aware that this is part of how God had made you to, to write and be creative. Now, when you became a Christian, mm-hmm. um, how long did it take before you uh, understood that these two things have to come together? They have to be integrated. Your your creative gift has to uh, become uh, the servant of the call of God on your life. Is, I mean, is, that, yeah. is that too wordy? Or does that make sense? No, that question? I'm still doing it. Yeah. I think um, I grew up in the church, and mm-hmm. I was saved at a very young age. Your dad's a Bible teacher. My dad's a Bible teacher, and my, my parents are both very creative people. Mm-hmm. I think I've had some good, really cool things modeled for Mm -hmm. me. My mom is a songwriter just for her own benefit. Um, She doesn't have a wider audience than just herself. Mm -hmm. She writes children's songs, and some of those are published, but um, it's kind of something she just really enjoys doing. Um, And my grandfather, uh, he in an age where this was not happening, but he's an artist. He was a stay at home dad and was an artist and, mm. um, you know, self-employed. And, and, uh, so I've seen kind of that, that life modeled for me a little bit, the integration of faith in, in art and mm. all that. But, um, I think I'm still waking up to some things. Um, w- one thing the Lord really hit me over the head with a, a while ago was the whole idea of anointing. Cause I think we misuse that word a lot yeah. as it relates to art and faith. And we kind of use it as a spiritual scorecard. You know, if someone Someone really moves us. That was really anointed. Yeah, that's really anointed. And if someone just means well, it's like, oh, they're anointed. Bless their heart. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying. Small A. Small A anointed. Yeah, it's like a two on the anointing (laughs) scale. And so I I really um, am just, I'm, I'm just 
going to the Word and trying to figure out how faith and art and these things, and there have been a lot of people who have helped me on that journey. Mm-hmm. Madeline Langle's mm-hmm. Walking on Water helped me. You helped me tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, when I when I met Mike, uh, I was in a, just a, a hard place in my, in my life, just tired, and um, kind of, I'd, I'd I was just going to work. I was kind of lost some of the joy in music, and and this community that we we've that you've invited me into has been really life giving to mm-hmm. me. But um, the end of that anointing thing, the the verse the Lord gave me was First John two seventeen. I need to look that up and maybe say that in here again. Mm-hmm. But it says that the Holy Spirit teaches you in all things that are true, and um, the Lord just revealed in me that when I get up and sing, you know what happens? I'll get up and sing, and people will say. Oh, she's so anointed. And what that verse is saying is, no, you're anointed. When you hear something true, Mm -hmm. that resounds in you. And as a believer, you're anointed. The Holy Spirit is teaching you. So you can stand before a painting painted by a guy that was, you know, a drunk and a womanizer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if there's something true in that, it will resound in the believer's heart because it's beauty and Mm -hmm. it's truth. And those things will resound in you. And so that's really set me free to, to have, as far as the whole conversation about Christian art and, you know, art isn't Christian or secular people are Christians and people are secular. So Mm -hmm. can we pause right here and hear more of what this comes out in, Mm -hmm. in terms of Sarah's music? Because again, we can't have her here without asking her to sing, right, Mm -hmm. Michael? And this is another one of my favorites. This is, uh, this is an example of, I think, uh, the sort of honesty that uh, is a hallmark for Sarah's music, this conversation between her and God and, and how hard it can be sometimes. This is called Hello, Lord. Here's Sarah Groves in the studio. Desperately want to do 
but you've received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true, for the Spirit teaches you all things, and what He teaches is true. It's not a lie. So continue in what He's taught you and continue to live in Christ. That's the passage you were referring to earlier. Yeah, yeah, that the Holy Spirit will, um, in every believer's life, um, when you see something true, I believe it's like guitar strings, you know? It starts resounding in mm-hmm. your spirit, and you... So it's not... The onus isn't on the performer, mm-hmm. you know? It's not about Michael Card and how great he is, mm-hmm. which he's great, but <laughs> it's not about that. It's mm-hmm. about um, the truth, the, the gift that God's given you. And you've said it so many times. And I live by these words, you are not your gift. I am not my gift. And, um, the onus is not on me. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. on, mm-hmm. uh, the Holy spirit. And, and hopefully I just serve the art. And that's what yeah. Madeline Lingle talks about all throughout that book. Um, just serving the art and, and, uh, you know, doing your best to just get out what God's given you. One of Bill Lane's favorite images, he would take two C tuning forks and he would bang one and then hold it next to the other one and the one that you didn't hit would start to resonate hmm. and that hearts really are like that yeah. and and that's the Holy Spirit's business it's 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 not how well we do right. or don't do our work in fact I don't know about you I've had people uh, God speak to people on the basis of a misunderstanding of a yeah. lyric yeah I mean, completely he, he uses everything completely hmm. I had a girl call me from Florida and she said and this is when I know the Holy Spirit's been working <laughs> right? through the music because she <laughs> called and said what I can't find that song anywhere on the album about how it's okay to be single how I don't need a guy to complete my life where is that song you know and I, <laughs> I, I emailed her back and I said you are hearing from someone else because I, I don't have that song on there you know <laughs> So to me, that's really cool. When a room full of people come away with a hundred different versions of a song, yeah. that's a really good night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> their hearts have been resonating on their own. Yeah. yeah. Sarah, I have to think that a lot of young people look to you and say, well, how do I get to be like that? How do I do that? And I'm sure that there's techniques and things that you can pass along, but I'm hearing you say it's who you are in Christ. And then that's where it starts. That's the foundation. Yeah. You know, I have a hard time giving someone advice um, about how to get into the Christian music industry because my path was so unique and tailored to my own needs in mm-hmm. my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like serve, serve where you are. There's so many places to plug in, um, use your gifts, you know, dance before your maker mm-hmm. and, uh, be a child of God. And mm-hmm. then all these things are going to be added to you. I mean, there's definitely a business side to mm-hmm. this that, mm-hmm. that has taken place, but, um, not first. I feel like some other things took place first. Well, I think it, the, what happens in your career happens in spite of the business and right. not because of, I mean, God mm-hmm. blesses it. And because I think the vehicle is there, sometimes he has to use the business. But uh, Yeah. Well, here you are. Um, now, your husband, as we speak, is actually in Africa. Yeah. So you're you're living life without him for a few weeks. Yeah, I don't know how single moms do it. I <laughs> do not. I've been got, praying. You've got two small children. Yeah. Kirby I, is how old? Three-year-old and a four-month-old. And, and Toby yeah. is four months old. Uh-huh. What, uh, what's God teaching you now in this season? I mean, this is a busy season, but... Oh, Wayne, that's a loaded (laughs) question. (laughs) Um, The new album, uh, we're we're throwing around a lot of different titles, but um, right now I think the title is going to be On the Other Side of Something or The Other Side of Something. Um, I'm just coming out of a some kind of thing that I think I'll have to live a lot longer to really understand what it is that I'm coming out of. Mm -hmm. But um, I've just gone through a faith struggle 
to me, something like I've never had before and just been really wrestling with God's sovereignty. And um, I just have to say at the end of the day, um, well, you know, the story ends this way. Okay, I've I've struggled for probably a couple of years now, just lots of people in my life, uh, different things, suffering and and, uh, wondering why wrestling with why is you know is God good is he does he look out for his own and I think that was the heart of my question is God good mm-hmm. and um I was at a Beth Moore conference and I was kind of coming out of the tail end of this I kind of in my heart had resigned myself to say I you know I know who you are and I don't understand it but it's okay and I was standing there and I just had a um an ultrasound that didn't turn out real real well for Toby it was just kind of an alarming situation uh, mm. his brain space was too big and mm. they were saying possibly spina bifida and they mm. just have to say they oh. have to just kind of prepare you these this is what this might mean and they weren't alarmed they were just saying we're just gonna measure it in a month so I had a month to, to kind oh, of sit and think geez. about stuff and um and I was at this conference and we just bought a new house and I was just saying Lord there's just I was waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, and I just said, there's no way I've that I've been so sassy and so smart mouthed all year to you. And you're going to bless me with a house and a healthy baby. And I just felt like the Lord said, yes, that's who I am, you know, and I'm your father. I want good things for you. And um, it doesn't have anything to do with my goodness or my badness. He's sovereign. And um, that night now I don't I'm kind of faithless in these areas. But that night I went home. Uh, I felt like the Lord said in, in my heart, you know, because we were buying this new house. He just said, You're, this house is going to work out and the baby's fine. Don't look for don't look for the other shoe to drop with the baby either. The baby's going to be fine. And um, I went home that night and was looking at names and we had talked about to- Toby. And I looked up Tobias and Tobias is Hebrew for the Lord is good. Mm. And um I just felt in my heart like it's going to be a boy and I'm going to name him the Lord is good Mm. and I'm going to settle this once and for all because I've just been wrestling with him. Mm. I've just been saying, I don't know if you're good or not. And um, and so I went to Troy and this is how my faithlessness comes in because I said, I think maybe we're having a boy. I don't know. (laughs) And if you don't like the name, we don't have to use it. But I think we're going to have a boy and I think maybe I'm going to name him Tobias. Is that okay? You know, and he said, if you, you know, yeah, let's do that. And but it. When he was born and he was a boy, you know, wow. that's one of those moments when you look back and yeah. you say, that was you. Yeah. That was you. And he's perfectly healthy. Yeah. And his name is Tobias. Wonderful. The Lord is good. Mm. Michael, we've just had an example of what makes Sarah's ministry so special. And it's just her honesty, mm. you know, just. And and her willingness to confess or to be uh, transparent about the struggles. And, and I think that's what people need to hear. They don't need to see people who present themselves as paradigms they need to say look this is the struggle join in the struggle with me yeah uh it's not great for your record sales i'll yeah. warn you of that <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what they need and, and that's one of the things of, of the many things that uh we appreciate about you so thank you thanks for investing some time with us in the middle of a really busy oh day. no thank we you we don't take it for granted thank thanks. you guys Sarah Groves joining us in the studio with Michael Card. Information about this broadcast is waiting for you online at www.michaelcard.com. CD copies of this or any in the studio session are available. And another convenient way to hear the entire program is through the broadcast archive on our radio page. There's so much you can discover at michaelcard.com. Again, that's www.michaelcard.com. I hope you'll tell a friend about this program and then join us next week for more great music and challenging conversation centered on the Word of God. Our program producer is Joe Carlson, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for joining us in the studio with Michael Carr.
In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.